0: Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, especially St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. Boy, they certainly do. Daiwa Reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 everywhere you get your podcasts. Don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. We Fish ASA is produced by our executive producer, Mr. Brad Nerman, down in Landon Lakes, Florida. Thanks for everything, Brad. At today's show, we welcome Dan Johnston from St. Croix, Charlie Evans. He is with U.S. Angling. We're going to talk about the big events that they have coming up. We got a world championship happening shortly, and I'm going to visit with uh, Jason Fisher. Who? I'll tell you who. Jason Fisher is the tournament director from the Lake Erie Walleye Tour. He's the guy that caught those two guys fishing. And sticking lead weights in their walleye so they would get heavier weights and win a tournament illegally, but they couldn't get past the new sheriff in town. He's Jason Fisher. He busted them cold. Wow, that'll be interesting. First of all, let me uh, swing this over to my partner Dave Trans. Dave Trans is going to bring out Dan Johnston. Here you go. Take it away,
1: David. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz, this is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth, they always bring us Dan Johnston. How you doing, Dan?
2: Doing great, Dave.
1: You know, it's fall, getting getting to be almost kind of late fall. It's, you know, had some pretty cold temperatures all the way down south in places, and you know, the guys down south don't have to do this. They don't put away their summer tackle, but it is a good time to do maintenance on it. Maybe when you slow down a little and just double check stuff after a hard, long season and then the guys up north, you got to start getting ready for prepping your ice tackle. There's a lot to do, isn't there?
2: And it's hard to do because number one, we want to keep fishing. Fishing right now around here is amazing and it's, it will be for a while. Um the fish are still real shallow. We've done late fall podcasts before and it's a it's a phenomenal time of year to fish they're unbaked they're shallow but that said i think we could also say in the same breath how nice is it next spring to get in your boat and have everything organized and your reels are clean and your rods you got your i don't put my new line out in the fall but it's all ready to go and and really it's all ready to go based on what i'm going to be throwing and it's not easy to do because being a bow hunter, I want to think about that and focus on that. <laughs> That's the deal. But, but I think we talked about it a while back. You know, one thing that I do in the winter time, and I've made this a goal of mine, is at a bare minimum once a week. I'm going to bring at least one or maybe two of my cartridge boxes from my bass boat in and go through it and check hooks and cut all the old knots off and all the stuff that I do and make sure the colors are where they're at, the sizes and organize them. And if I do that, think of how many weeks there are throughout the winter and in Iowa, you know, we're locked up hard water all the way certainly through February into March. And so there's a lot of weeks there where by the time the spring rolls around, if I'm only doing two a week, that's not very many. Could, I can almost do one a night, you know, but I think if you develop something like that, I've learned that it's really valuable to going into the neck, going into the spring, having done all that in advance is just huge. It just makes you, it makes you better. It makes you focus on fishing and you're not out there looking for something and wondering where your smaller jerk baits are. Cause they're all mixed together. Cause you know, none of us are perfect at putting stuff back when we're catching them in a hurry.
1: No, the boat looks so nice uh, uh, if you're fishing out of a boat when you get it all set. and I, I, Anymore, I, I unload my boat totally, uh, and I bring all of it in, and like you, I'll, I'll work on it uh, a little bit at a time. But uh, uh, after the deer rut, I try to get everything emptied before that, which is for us the first couple weeks of November, uh, because we get ice pretty quickly after that. So um, the one tip I am want to give though, for guys that are looking for, for a used boat, the guys that are down, down south are using them 12 months a year. Our boats are stored five or six months a year, unless the guy's taking his boat down south and fishing in the winter. My boat sits for five or six months on the charger. I check the air in the, in the tires. I do all that. But um, if you're looking for a used boat, you'll find one with about half the hours on it or less if you pick a northern boat. What do you think about that?
2: Well, I I think uh, you know something can be said about buying cars from the South that don't have road salt and ice melt and stuff on the roads. You know, I don't want to hurt us up here trying to sell our vehicles that live in the Upper Midwest. But I think that you know, obviously, I think there's there's a lot of truth to that. And I, and I, I would also say that. Um, in terms of that topic, you know, look and see how the person has taken care of it. Because you can let a boat sit for six months the wrong way. yeah really hurt it, too, if you don't stabilize the fuel and things like that. So, you know, but no, I, I think I think, you know, the main point that we were trying to make today is while it's difficult to do, planning six months in advance and what you're going to be doing, especially during the off season, Man, it pays off in spades because I am so guilty as charged on that some years when I don't do that. All of a sudden, April rolls around. It's a perfect day to go fishing, and my stuff is just all over the place. I don't know where anything's at, and no question I'm going to get out there and go, I can't believe I didn't bring that. And you kind of take those cards out of the deck if you have it all prepared in advance way before that.
1: Absolutely. Organizing every bit of tackle and taking care of your rods and your reels is so important. And, you know, we say we want to get in the tree stand in November. Well, that the rut goes south and so many professional uh, bass fishermen, walleye, musky guys, they have the passion for hunting also, whether that's deer or turkey or a uh, waterfowl. And and they can kind of use that rut as a gauge too, because they're shooting deer in the rut in Texas and uh, down south in, in January. So, you know, before. Maybe if fishing slows down in December. You before you start doing your your bow hunting or, or rifle hunting, and you take care of your equipment, and then you go and do your hunt, and then you're ready for spring again right away.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, and it's not like we can't pursue two passions at once. We could us outdoorsmen. We always you know learn to multitask. But a couple things on that. You know, on the topic of preparation is you know, and I, I said it. I've said this before, and and I, I believe in it more and more. My braid. I don't worry about changing out. I've got braid Dave on some of my reels. It's been on there three years. I might reverse it once in a while yeah. um, because the base of the reel is brand new When you turn it around, just basically strip it off, tie it on, and reel it back on. Um, but my monos and my floros, I absolutely 100% do not put on and then put them in storage for four or five months. I'm I just i I'm always waiting. That's about the only thing I'll wait on until the last minute. But in terms of maintenance on reels and specially tackle organization. Um, you know, checking the fluid level and the batteries and all those little things are just, it's so important because man, and a lot of people will say, yeah, you know, there's you doing this topic. Cause it's kind of a filler thing, something to talk. No, it's not a filler thing to talk about because I'll tell you what it does. It helps you catch them. It absolutely does because your stuff is more organized. It's where it needs to be. You can find it quicker. You've got the right things laid out for the time of year. You know, you're going to be going into, and there's too many times when we don't do that. We get out there, we're either missing something or we can't find a box or there's a dirt bait in the crankbait box that shouldn't be there and you're looking for that color. And all of us have been down that road. Or we've left our old line on from the year before we go out and throw it out. It looks like a phone cable, the old phone cables that cords that go around, around, around. You got to stretch it to try to get it straight and miss one because of it or there's just so many things that all of us listening out there can relate to so it is an important topic and i just think it relates to whether we're prepping for ice fishing up here in the north or you know prepping for uh hunting or anything like that i think it's it's one of the most important things we can do
1: yeah, confidence in your equipment is is definitely important. You said ice fishing, uh ice prep, what you know, what are the things, uh, some of the first things that guys ought to do to get ready for that?
2: Yeah, for me it's keeping my gel cell battery charged year round. I mean, I don't leave that plugged in all year, but I definitely top it off. Like I'll go check that thing about every month and a half and just keep it charged, make sure that's good to go. I'll go through my ice fishing tackle box. Jigs are the biggest nightmare because you're fishing, you put one in the tungstens and the, road, the lead and the whatever. So I'll go through every single jig. If I have any little knot stubs, I'll cut those all off. I'll check all my hooks. Um, making sure if I've got any gulp or anything like that, that it's fresh. Um, hand warmers, I've got this whole pack that all these things to go together. I think the guys down the south have tuned out on this because they're, they're not ice fishermen. But The topic relates to everything because there's no ice fishing is a great example. You get out there on the ice and you're just dealing with things that you could have fixed if you were better prepared, much better. So, for example, I'll go through my jigs and make sure and this sounds really weedy, but I do this. I'll make sure all the hook gaps are the way I want them because I'll take a lot of my ice jigs and they'll be slightly bent up with plier. Not much, just a little bit because I get a lot better hookup ratio on them. But sometimes if I catch a bunch on one and I'm taking it out, whatever, I can close that gap or I can make it too open or whatever. So I'm checking those to make sure those are right. It's nothing worse than missing four or five till you figure out that you didn't have that hook right. Um, so it's just little things like that. It, it just matters. And and I think that I think if, if we can change a few people out there listening to this and they come up with their own system, whether it's a tackle box a week or two like I do or whatever. Uh if we can get a few people to do that, I, I I truly believe a couple of years from now they'd look back and go, you know what, I'm really glad I listened to that episode. And that's what this is all about.
1: Absolutely. And the guys that have an ice tent stored, don't don't wait to the day you're going ice fishing to set it up. Set it up in your driveway on an nice day in case you got any uh uh, rodent holes, mouse holes, or anything like that, or seams that might have come uh, uh, undone from use, uh, setting up, taking down. Those can be easily stitched with the braid. There's another use for the braid, uh, and and to keep them closed. And then if there are any uh, mouse holes on it, duct tape works great. You just close them up and put it on both sides, and and away you go. But uh, yeah, there's so many things that we'll get. We didn't talk much about the ice, but we'll get into that for the guys up north, or, or the guys that are down south that want to come up and do that but we'll do that on another episode but uh yeah you know on your on your your hook uh, bending or opening the gap anymore i've gone to where i bend the whole hook shaft just below the lead or the tungsten and bend that down a little bit and that automatically kind of opens the point without taking the chance of of dinging the barb i don't know if you've tried that yet or not but that I, I probably you have
2: I have, and I've also played with just the gap itself with pliers. I've been pretty successful doing that, but it it matters, especially with light lines and um, some of these ice rods that don't necessarily really jack them when you go that hook gap the quality, the point, everything extremely important. And, you know, so anything we can go through, find your own system, find what works and go with it. One other thing that I want to mention, it's really important for, for people that do leave their line on their reels. And I know a lot of people do because either through complacency or they don't know better or they've never tried it, whatever. So let's say you get to the spring and you've got fluorocarbon or mono on a reel and it's brand new but you didn't get to use it and you first time you pitch it out there it's got all those coils in it one thing I learned from fly fishing that absolutely works is you can stretch that line and straighten it significantly with your hands I showed people this in fly casting classes for decades and I can take fly tippet we call it which is basically the connector from your fly line to your fly and I'll hold it between two hands in about three foot sections and I'll just pull on it now, obviously not enough to break it or damage its integrity, but just enough, and you lay it down it's dead straight. So if you take a flipping reel or let's say a reel, a short quarter casting reel where you're trying to cast a bait and you do just that, you go down 40, 50 feet in that in little three-foot poles, you won't believe how straight that line is. And it absolutely matters. In ice fishing, it's mandatory because I a lot of times I will leave my line on, and I'll drop that thing down and it's coiled, and how many times does a fish come up? and hit something on an ascent and do nothing but put slack in your line, you will never, ever, ever, ever see that strike if your line's going down with coils in it. You just won't see it. So I think that it's important to understand that that's a great thing obviously with braided you cannot do it because there's no memory in braid but with mono and flora you can do it it's a matter of just pulling out a little bit and you'll see all those coils just disappear
1: and that's why we have dan johnston on every week because you always get good tips and good information thank you dan and look forward to talking to you next week
2: Hey, Dave. Thanks. Have a great week.
1: Oh, you too. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment of the We Fish ASA podcast was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. We will be right back.
0: Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch power and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion, so advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask
3: me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well that's simple keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and
1: pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Starley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Of course, everybody I have on this segment has a passion for the outdoors. My next guest has been on before, and he's back to give us an update. Charlie Evans, welcome back to the program.
4: Thanks, Dave. I'm glad to be here.
1: Oh, I, we're glad to have you, and got exciting stuff happening here pretty quick with the uh, uh, Bass World Championship in the USA.
4: The very first one ever held in the United States. And it's, and it's coming up right away. And we are so excited about this. We've never hosted the Bass World Championship before. This is the very first time. And we have a record number, 25 nations coming from around the globe. This is going to be some fun stuff,
1: Dave. Absolutely. Uh, tell the listeners where it's at. And then we're going to talk about the the. World class lineup of anglers that are fishing for for our country.
4: Yeah, we'll be, we'll be in Lake Murray, Columbia, South Carolina, coming out of Billy Drear Island up near Prosperity, South Carolina, and we're hosted by the fine folks from Visit Lake Murray. Uh, we're we're so uh, I got to tell you this this is going to be one that will be remembered forever. This is the event that may very well push the Olympic Committee and to recognizing fishing as an Olympic sport, which will be big-time stuff. The dates are October 18 through 22, and on the 22nd is when we plan to crown the United States as gold medal winners of this event. That's our plan. So we'll get a little <laughs> work to do for that, but but we have we do have a great team, a world-class team. Uh, we're allowed eight anglers today. That's just two, two guys per boat. Uh, so that's four boats with two guys in a boat. Only three boats can be on the water at a time, and so we'll have to determine, you know, who's which ones are, are the starting five, so to speak. You know, our starting our starting six will go out on the on the water, and and but everybody hopefully will get a chance to fish, be a part of this attempt to again be back to back gold medal winners. We want in Mexico, and so we want to defend that title here on our home court, and we're excited about that. Our team captain is none other than scott martin he's our team captain he's kind of like the backbone of our team and uh, and he has won individual gold medal uh, before at the world championship to have us win down mexico and of course uh, scott is, is known to about everybody he's one of the biggest social media youtube guys out there in our industry and his uh, scott and scott is the team there scott canterbury is his partner and has been now for three state world championships and so they are great uh, chemistry there. They work great together. And that's going to be a fun, exciting team to watch. Uh, they both qualified uh, through BAS as they, they're the Bass Elite uh, competitors of that. And then the other six guys come from the Major League Fishing Arena. And one of those is, um, and our next team is the number one ranked angler in the world, Jacob Wheeler. And Jacob Wheeler, he's he's partnered with David Dudley, who has won four Anglers of the Year, uh, over $4 million. That team right there is like potential powerhouse, you know. I mean, (laughs) that's almost like like cheating to put those two guys in one boat and send them out on the water. That should be fun and exciting to watch. Uh, we got, again, only put three, but we got four great teams out there. Uh, and, and next one in line, and it's no certain order here, but but we've got probably the best angler on Lake Murray, the guy who won the Forcewood Cup when we were there, Anthony Gagliardi and anthony's paired with mark rose um that that's going to be another power every one of our teams are fantastic it's going to be really hard to say who gets to start because they're all so great but anthony really adds a lot of local knowledge to our team he'll be able to help us prepare and get ready for this event during the practice days uh, having him on our team is just like a, a home field advantage plus one yeah absolutely. And so uh yeah, absolutely. And then our, our, our final team is not the last team, but it's the final team is probably the one that, that that will have more fun out there. I think everybody's going to have fun, but these guys are, are together are unbelievable. They're lifelong friends. Uh, Fred Rubanus, Boom Boom, as he's better known, Boom Boom Boom, be fishing with worldwide James Watson, <laughs> worldwide James Watson. And, and those guys, I'm, i I got to tell you, if you just ride along in that boat, it would just have you laughing and screaming all day long. So we've got eight great team anglers, two from Bass, uh, six from uh, from uh, MLF, and we have a great team. I, that's why I'm so confident that when this is over, we'll be handing these guys the gold medal.
1: Yeah, you start looking at those names, and if you added up the winnings, it'd be scary, wouldn't it?
4: Oh, I gotta tell you, uh, these are the greatest anglers in the world, no doubt about it. And and that's why we feel so confident in hosting this event. That that again, anything can happen. I think uh, South Africa's been here for like five trips, and they they came in a month early for this, and and so they're going to be well prepared. We've got a great competition now. I mean, it won't be a cakewalk. Canada's always really tough. Mexico is is is, uh, teams from all around the globe are really good anglers the best of the best of the best in their country, but we have confidence in our guys that we're going to be able to pull this off.
1: Yep, I was going to ask how many days of practice they got, but it doesn't sound like there was any limitation to how early you could practice, but I think the most important practice is right before, correct?
4: Right before, this time of year especially, things are changing pretty regularly, and so we get two days of practice, Tuesday and Wednesday, and then we get three days of tournaments, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And so, and, and the international scoring is a little different than our normal term is here. Of course, uh, the official weight is in kilograms instead of pounds and ounces, but we'll try to crack that on our website. Uh, you can go to usabass.org and be able to follow along, find out where you can follow along the live the broadcast as they're going on. And then the way this works every day is there's three different classes of anglers, so one one boat from each country in, in a group, and so the twenty five boats in a group, and and the, the it's ranked daily of how you finish in that group of twenty five that boat does, hmm. and so for the the person that uh, uh, ends up the leader after day one in in each group will get zero penalty points. And in the in the one that finishes 25th in each group will get 25 penalty points. Okay, And so that's tracked each day. So, and this is a little different, and maybe we'll get this changed one of these days, but then the, the country with the fewest points at the end wins. And so it, it's a little it's a little different, but hopefully I've explained it to people, that, and we'll keep everybody appraised as to how we're doing, but I feel confident that our, the teams we've got out there, uh, that, that we're, we're going to blow this thing away. Dave.
1: Yeah, they, those, those anglers are, are awesome and uh, have uh, proven themselves and deserve to be there. And, and hopefully, this will uh, sway uh, the Olympic Committee to uh, get bass fishing as an Olympic sport. And with 25 countries participating, it's not just like it's a, a handful of, of countries that want to do this, many of them do.
4: Well, the head and SIPSED, which are acronyms for the international organization that U.S. Angling is a part of uh has made application to the olympic committee uh, years ago about i think about five years ago now and and at that time they said no you don't qualify and here's what you need to do and we've been doing that and this will prove to the olympic committee that that we are ready for that and uh and hopefully uh, we know they'll be watching <laughs> what we're doing here and then hopefully they'll recognize that that this is amazing that that international organization has over 50 million members worldwide mm. and so it's not like it's a small group of people that are that are following the fishing and of course the United States in, in my opinion I think everybody would agree leads the world in in bass fishing you know we have the we have the, the Bassmaster Classic and BASS and Red Cross and MLF we have we have the top anglers in the world and, and we're going to show that and, and we're going to lead the world for uh, this pursuit of making bass fishing an Olympic sport. And that will, be, uh, that will be something that will have a huge impact on our sport and our industry.
1: Excellent. Now, how is it decided which anglers compete? By the two days of practice prior?
4: Yeah, um, me and David Prince are the two coaches of the USA team. And, and so after the two days of practice, uh, we will get together, me and David will get together with Scott Martin, the captain of the team, and we'll kind of uh, develop a game plan, like any other sport. We'll develop the game plan. Here's here's our starting group, and we'll do that after uh, you know after practice, and uh, and then during the event we can. just like in any other sport, we can make substitutes. Uh, if, if somebody's having a tough day, or um, uh, if somebody's having some uh, sickness issues or whatever, you know, then we've got people ready to come in, and it's, and it's our intention to get everybody in the game. During, during the three days. Now, when we do make a substitution, that, that is permanent. In other words, if we substitute uh, either one or two people in, then they stay in the rest of the time. And so it's not something you can send them back and forth. Uh, but, but our plan is to get our, our six hottest, our three hottest boats out there to start the game, and then if, if somebody's struggling and, and having problems, then to substitute in to try to pick up, uh, pick up the stream and make sure that we walk away with a gold medal. Yeah, and we said it's our intention. We want everybody, everybody on the team. When we win the gold medal, we'll get gold medals, regardless of whether you're in or not. It's our intention to make sure all of our players uh, get to compete and to be a part of this. I mean, uh, this one will be remembered forever. Dave.
1: Absolutely, and and uh, th- yeah, the the team just blows me away when you when you listen to the names and listen to who's in there, and um, it, it's going to be a fun event. And uh, looking forward to. Uh, seeing the weights and seeing uh, also interested in seeing what the other countries do that aren't from here and some of the ones that don't even have bass in their country that are coming to compete.
4: Absolutely. And, and for, the, for your listeners that are anywhere close to Columbia, South Carolina, uh, tell them, please come, especially for the final day. That's the Saturday the 22nd. Come and watch the final weigh-in. We'll actually do be doing the gold medal ceremonies. The medal tournament gold, uh, silver, and bronze medals to the three countries and to the three individual high team members that have competed right there on site. And so they can come and be a part of this. I know that uh, some of our supporters are going to have displays there. And the people from Visit Lake Mary, uh, Mary Major and her crew will be there to welcome people to Lake Mary. And then we'll have an announcement there on site as to where the next Bass World Championship hosted by the United States will be held. And that's that's something Dave you and I'll have to do a whole show after this is over with we'll talk about the tournament and then i'm going to talk about where we're going to the next time we and, and what we're going to do totally different the next time we're in the united states for the best world championship
1: i am looking forward to that uh, saturday october 22nd you want more information go to usabass.org thank you charlie evans and uh, look forward to talking to you after the event and talk about the winners Thanks, Dave. Ah, No problem. That was Charlie Evans. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment of the We Fish ASA podcast was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. We will be right back after these messages.
0: The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta, we're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait-and-tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control, light lure casting. Mag4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. And if you're an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting ASAFishing.org. Very excited to introduce you all to our next guest. We have a lot of people on the competing tournaments, walleye tournaments, bass tournaments, muskie tournaments. Uh, we, we never really give proper credit to the people that make those tournaments run properly. And we don't give credit to people who make those tournaments run properly and fairly and honestly, uh, which is the the reason they're there and the reason people participate and the reason people love the competitive angle of this sport. And it's unfortunate when, unbelievably, things go awry occasionally uh, with people following the rules. And, And you've probably seen it on the news on October the 1st. This gentleman, Jason Fisher, broke up a cheating scandal that occurred in the Lake Erie Walleye Tournament Trail uh, circuit. Uh, He he caught people trying to break the rules and, and take advantage of the system, and this guy is a true hero to all fishermen. Whether you fish bass or walleye, or you just go out and you catch bluegills on the weekend, please take a second to offer thanks to our guest... The tournament director of the L E W T Lake Erie Walleye Trail, he is Jason Fisher. Welcome, Jason. How are you? I'm alright. Thanks for having me. Hey, no, no problem at all. V- definitely pleased to have you. Would, would wish we could have talked under better circumstances. Uh, this is unbelievable. Fishing doesn't get enough attention. I mean, you, you get a Bassmaster Classic happen, and, and you never know who the winner is. It doesn't say it in the newspapers, it doesn't say it on the TV. You, you, you get a guy, uh, get a couple of guys trying to cheat with their way weigh, weighing in of their uh, weight of the fish, and the world responds. Are, are you surprised at the attention that this event, that this incident, has gotten? Yeah, it's insane. I had no clue uh, the type of reaction
3: you would get. And Quite frankly, uh, I I still don't understand it, but I think Mike Iconelli said that that the New York Times hasn't covered sporting uh, or, or outdoor sports such as fishing in like 20 years, and they had it. So obviously, some somebody's watching and somebody cares.
0: You know, that's a whole other question as to why we don't get enough uh, coverage on this stuff, and it's uh, it's kind of sad that it does, because you know I have always said that fishing is the only sport. Where there's no agents, there's no contract demands, there's nobody walking off, there's no strikes. It's good. It's it's guys and gals going out and fishing, doing what we love, and and, and it's great. There's no negativity. And these guys, and I'm not afraid to say their names, uh, Chase Kaminsky and Jacob Runyon, accused of cheating in this tournament. Uh, you know, they'll end up going down in history with. Uh, with a bigger uh, reputation or name than, uh, uh, say, a Kevin Van Dam or, or a Gary Parsons in the world of walleyes, and it's it's a darn shame that, that they did this. Yeah, it's it's still disgusting when I
3: think about what happened. I, I don't even like I don't even like saying their names. It's just they it just can disappear for all I care. Those those two, um, you know, in the fishing world needs to get a lot more exposure. These are a lot of like your Americana type people, your hard working guys, guys that just you know, they're building decks, doing concrete, you have all facets of life. You have the business guys that, you know, you know, work the nine to five. You have you have just just true American people out there liking to enjoy the outdoors and having fun. But the problem is is, you know, that's not usually generally newsworthy. Uh, so we're kinda in our own little Little bubble enjoying things and that's fine. I mean, I I I think it's good uh, what tournament fishing brings to the you know not only the economy, the local economy, but just you know the camaraderie and the community. Um, and it's okay that it's not the spotlight. I don't you know I don't think everybody wants to be in the spotlight.
0: No, no, no. It it, it doesn't. Uh, I I want fishing to be popular. I want people to fish more, try fishing more. And and necessary, not necessarily does tournament fishing relate to that? Because everybody that picks up a rod ever more than likely is not going to fish in a tournament. But the the exposure is good. Uh, let's 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 talk about uh, let's talk about this. You you are the tournament director, and what what is your what's your responsibility as tournament director? So I
3: have
0: a team of people. Uh,
3: they they help me organize these events. Uh, set them up, generate generate the uh, generate the actual venue. Uh, from there, we'll we'll advertise and we get anglers to fish our circuit. And uh, we have a lo- we have a really strong following out here on Lake Erie um, in Ohio. We we're kind of the only game in town on Lake Erie. Uh, there's a few other smaller events that pop up here and there, but. For the most part, we, we just run Lake Erie tournaments, and that's what I set out to do. We have the best wildlife fishery in the world, and uh, we got to give these guys a playground. So um, my responsibility is essentially just to MC the event. You know, I, I, I try to make it go smoothly from start to finish, and, uh, you know, just generate hype. While you know, I'm I'm up on stage, I'm emceeing the event, and I want I want these guys to feel special when they do something, they win or they put a high score up. So that that's my job, just to create excitement.
0: Are you are you uh, in charge of uh, making sure that the rules are followed, and do you make the calls on? Uh, whether you're going to fish that day because of the weather or the fishable areas, uh, it, it, does that all fall under your call? Yeah. So whether my call,
3: um, and then ultimately rules are my call. I have the, I have the, uh, the right to protest an event if I need to. Um, but also people that I have, you know, on my crew, they, Pay attention to things like length of fish. Uh, Here on Lake Erie, we need 15-inch walleye. So generally speaking, that's not an issue. Um, But they're looking over the fishes. They put them in the baskets. And then a way guy he gets his hands on the fish to put them up on the scales. Um, And then we have other volunteers after that. I mean, so everybody's kind of looking. But ultimately the referees in this are the fishermen, um, guys and gals that are out there fishing they're making sure that people are using the, the appropriate amount of rods or, you know, they're they're doing what they're supposed to be doing within the rules, uh, you know, like life jackets and safety wise and lights. And it's their, it's their obligation to report something back to me if they see it. Um, at the end of these events, the winners will give will give polygraph tests to uh, prior to this incident as our only safeguard. We would just run people through a test and if they passed, uh, you know, the questions that we gave them, uh, most of which were, you know, did you abide by state and local regulations? Did you abide by the rules of the event, et cetera? Um, you know, that was that was a pass for us. Um, this incident obviously opened our eyes. We may have to take a few more precautions. Uh, but generally speaking, I would say 99.9% of these guys wouldn't jeopardize, you know, Reputations
0: and things to do—do do some dishonest acts. Yeah, yeah, it would uh, make make sense to me. This was originally this was the uh, this was a championship event for your your tournament circuit, and uh, it comes down to near the end of the season, and it's supposed to be a two day event, but it was only a one day event. Am I right? Correct. Yeah. What what happened? So, um
3: basically, long story short, we have what's called a small craft advisory. Uh, The the National Weather puts out wave height forecasts and for the next two days we had that daggone hurricane down there in Florida affecting our weather. Uh, uh, You know, and I I hate to say it that way because they were down there struggling, but we were not going to be able to fish. Uh, Weather was just too much. The waves were too high and there were small craft advisories put in place. So I had to just let everybody know beginning of the event that it was just going to be a one-day shootout
0: excellent very 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 good how much grief did you get for doing that um none none guys
3: occasionally i'll get some grief but 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 these guys appreciate especially a call in advance they you know they have lives and, and things that they plan and if they're not going to be off for the whole weekend you know guys can go to work guys can you know make plans with their family so I'll I'll genuinely try and get them taken care of, you know, in advance, and just make the call because hotel rooms and gas and things are expensive, and these guys, you know, I try to I try to look after their pocketbooks too.
0: Oh sure, sure, and and you know I know that it's difficult when you do that, especially when a a fisherman is is in contention for say angler of the year and and it's cumulative, and every day you fish counts. You'll get guys saying, oh, you just took away my chance for Angler of the Year by cutting me out that one day. Well, I always go back to uh, uh, my good friend John Campbell, who's one of the best walleye fishermen that I know. And uh, he made a lot of money back when the PWT was in business. And John looked in the eye and say, man, there is no fish in the world that's going to make me enough money that I will trade my life for that. Yeah, and that's 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 the way you got to be. It's, it's safety first, and that may sound silly, but but it's it's not at all. Uh, I want to I want to get into that uh, whole event, uh, the whole tragedy that happened. Well, it's not a tragedy. I think it's a a, a a great story because it ended the right way in a minute. Let me ask you first: How did you get end up being a tournament director? Basically, by
3: accident,
0: um, we had another.
3: OWF Club, uh, it's a local club around us. They ran some events, and um, they stepped away from an event, and that that was one of our major boat sponsors' uh, events. And I was working for them, and and they said, "Hey, you wanna you wanna run this tournament for us?" It kind of is gonna get canceled, and and we needed to get you know they didn't want it to go by the wayside. And I said, "Yeah, sure." So I just I basically went out there and winged it, and uh, <laughs> it worked out. We had an event, and and I was. I was happy with it and uh the following year our circuit it was our tournament directors last year he announced that he said i'm i'm stepping down and and it was the circuit that i fished and i was like man i I really hope somebody takes this over well september rolls around of that year and nobody had taken it over so i called him and i said hey man you know did did anybody take over the circuit yet he's like no no we're still waiting and uh basically i said well you know, I, I want to throw my name in the hat because I didn't want to see us lose uh, this circuit. I fished right. it for a year and I just didn't want to see us lose it. And I thought, you know, I would be good at it and, and kind of the rest is history. So I, I, I operated it for them. The, the previous ownership, it was owned by, the, by a club, the WBSA. I, I basically was an employee of them and uh, did that for a year. And they wanted to just separate from it altogether, so they wanted to sell the club and, and that's what they did and I, I bought it and turned turned uh turned it into my show and, and here we are today.
0: And, and you had no idea at the time you had no idea at the time it was gonna bring you worldwide fame and fortune over this uh incredible fiasco that just occurred that you handled so professionally. Uh you just thought it was gonna be checks rolling in and being a tournament director and owner was going to be the greatest thing in the world. This is all got to be a huge surprise for Jason Fisher. <laughs> well, I can tell you that the checks rolling, the
3: only checks rolling in are the guys' registration checks. And then the only checks rolling out is all their, all their prize money because being a tournament director doesn't doesn't exactly, uh, you know, pay the bills and things. We all got normal jobs and my wife thinks I'm crazy from the time <laughs> I put into this for
0: such a little payout, you know. Hey, man, I, I will tell you one thing. I've always I've always said that the worst job in the world for a fisherman is owning a bait store because you know guys will say that I'm going to quit my job and open a bait store. Well, you better be careful what you're wishing for because. Owning a bait store means you're never going to go fishing uh, because you're always in the bait store. Well, it got passed by tournament director. Tournament director, man, these guys are out catching these huge walleyes on the best walleye fishery in the world, just catching them one after another. And Jason Fisher's doing paperwork and sitting on the shore. Baby's sitting all the fishermen. Man, oh, man, I I think that's a worse job than owning a bait bait store. You know, so there's good like
3: i get asked this question a lot why do you want to be a tournament director and do you miss it do you miss the fishing because these guys do have great days but there's there's a couple times so when the weather's nasty it's rainy or cold and these guys are pushing out there going fishing i'm I'm sitting in the trailer like man i'm happy i don't have to go <laughs> and then and then when they are finished and they're bringing those big fish up to the scales uh Many of these guys are my friends, so I'm, like, a part of the winning team, you know, no matter who wins. So you don't Ah. get to have those, those losses as a fisherman. You get to basically only have the wins because a lot of these guys you get to share their experience up on the stage with, you know. Hey,
0: great explanation. Very, very good. I'm Steve Sarley. You're listening to We Fish ASA. I've got the tournament director from the Lake Erie Walleye Trail On with us, he is Jason Fisher, and he is gonna tell the story of how he busted this uh, incredibly scandalous cheating ring that was going on in uh, his championship tournament. Steve Sarley with Jason Fisher. We'll be back right after this. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do, is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts.
4: Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in category for technical clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry dock for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. Learn more at aftco.com overboard.
0: Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long-control light lure casting. MAG-4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. we're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth saint croix welcome back to we fish asa i'm steve Serley. my partner dave kranz is not here let me bring back on uh, a hero for all fishermen whether you know it or not this guy did a great thing for the whole sport He's Jason Fisher, the tournament director of the Lake Erie Walleye Trail. And it hit the major media that two guys had uh, got enough walleyes to win the uh, the big prize at the uh, championship event of the Lake Erie Walleye Trail. But uh-uh-uh, Jason Fisher, tournament director, sensed something was wrong at the weigh-in. When did you figure out something was wrong? What did you think was wrong? And what did you do about it? Well, i kind of set the stage. Uh, these guys are
3: fishing for Team of the Year awards, so it's a big deal. They they, they work for it all year long. Um, all my anglers are striving to get points every event, and at the end of this season, um, I, I crown, you know, basically a self-proclaimed Ohio state champion. Uh, I came from the sports world, so we were always gunning for a state championship, um, so I just it, it just felt natural. These guys all kind of relate to that. So I said, now, you know, I want to put out a state championship. So turn back into Friday, last Friday, and we have, you know, several teams up at the top of the leaderboard just getting ready uh, to go out. And I know the math on that. I studied it. I want these guys to, to succeed. So I know where they have to stack up and how many points they need to accumulate to get that team of the year score. Uh, so after they fish. You know the team start in, and I hold off many of the higher teams to the last of the weigh-in. Sure. I want to generate a bit of excitement, and I I I push these guys off, and we get down to the very end, and I have a couple teams left. So the second place team, uh, Steve Hendricks and Brian Almer, these guys weigh in, and they post up a fifth place score for the event. And uh, knowing that the first place team, the current first place team, the team that was eventually disqualified, they needed to be within five spots of those guys in order to take home team of the year. So uh-huh. if you watch the video, you hear me say, you guys need 16 pounds to take over first place team of the year. So that was 11th place. So I, I needed them to get 16.89 pounds or above and then they would take take home the team of the year title. So I'm watching their fish as they're putting them in the basket just Getting in my brain what they think, what I think they should have based on the size of the fish. And right now, an average Lake Erie walleye is, is, is about four to five pounds. I mean, they call them the cookie cutters. They're just out there. They're the same size. They're nice, healthy, aggressive little fish. So, anybody, anybody looking to go fish for walleye, you want to check out Lake Erie if you've never been here. It's uh, a fantastic fishery and they're obviously great table fare. Well, it's either here nor there. You know, I'm watching them put cookie-cutter fish in the basket. And I'm like, okay, they probably have somewhere in the ballpark of 20, 22 pounds if I had to guess. So they're coming I'm up sure. to the stage. And I'm, and I'm getting ready to announce them to take over the team of the year because that's what I expected. Uh, and they put their first fish on the scale, and it was like 7.90 pounds. And I like my stomach just turned because I'm like, no way. That is not a seven pound fish, almost an eight pound fish. There's just no way. So they put their other four onto the scale, so the total of five fish, and they, they get thirty-three point nine one, if if I had to remember off the top of my head, it's that's something a, that's a seven pound
0: seven pounds average. Pounds. That's a seven yeah, that's so a seven pound average. Unbelievable. Yeah, so that's immediately what I noticed. You need you need a seven
3: pound average to hit thirty five pounds and uh they just, they didn't have seven pound average fish. So no, literally nobody in the crowd says anything. Nobody's excited. They're, they're grumbling a little bit. I can hear some, some anglers grumbling. So I said, Hey, you know, step off the side. I need to get some photos. Um, I tried to do my thing to be excited and whatever, but it just in my gut, I just knew that there was something wrong. So I tell them step off the side, we get some photos. I also would like to, uh, you know, have stick around. I wanted to inspect the fish. In my opinion, I just wanted to look at them. So uh, one of the guys started to walk away. And there was a little bit of grumbling from another guy in the crowd. Uh, so I said, Hey, you know, I need you to stay over here. Um, and there was some, you know, pushback to me, like, are you serious? You know, this has got to stop, you know, we, you know, what, what are we doing here? And I'm like, I, I want to look at the fish. I'm inspecting the fish. So as I did that, I took the first fish out of the basket and it, and it was just simply, it was just dead. I mean, in Ohio, you can have that fish. Ohio tournaments are regulated by the state to be uh, what they call kill tournaments or harvest tournaments.
1: Uh-huh.
3: Uh, so that wasn't usual, but I mean, you still want to look like, um, it's a fresh fish. You know? Right. Um, so I pulled the next one out and, and I'm looking at it and it's the same thing and I, I put it on the ground and I just kind of run my hands over it. I, I feel the fish just to feel, you know, new fish have a firmness to them. So I just kind of squeezed this fish and felt, felt the actual body of the fish. And I immediately felt hard objects inside the stomach of this fish. Oh my God. I knew right, right that in there, it was just, it was sickening. I, I, I turned the camera off. I, we have a live stream and I just, I, I knew that it wasn't going to be good. I turned that off, I had my guy turn that off and I said, somebody get me a knife and you know, that's, that's where you see a lot of the internet videos come from and I actually turned my cell phone camera on, I had somebody turn it on so we could record that I was cutting open these fish and um, cut open the fish and found, you know, immediately uh, a 12 ounce weight in, in the first one and then there started to be uh, about two weights in each one of these fish uh, wrapped in fish fillets and I was just sick. I mean, I basically, like, throwing the guts out of these fish, pulling weights out of them, and and it's just a disgusting scene. I mean, the guys, the anglers go nuts. I get a little bit uh, nuts right off the rip, and and I'm I'm mad, you know. I mean, it's an emotional thing. I'm pissed off. These guys in particular are my friends, you know. I've defended them with other anglers. Matter of fact, they won a tournament, you know, our previous tournament, and uh, as soon as I got cleaned up, I was the first one to call and congratulate them. You know, I mean, and I don't know if it's egg on my face or what, but, but I, I was I was pissed. And this day,
0: that is absolutely unbelievable. I I understand uh, putting these lead weights inside them. I didn't understand the idea of why they were stuffing them with uh, walleye fillets. What what was the reason for that? I, I don't know. I think that maybe
3: it just padded the stomach, so you couldn't see a lead weight. Maybe you know, huh. like a bulge in the stomach. I you know I don't
0: know. Oh man, that is totally ridiculous. It's that is so so bad. Uh, ha- had these guys been uh, under suspicion by anybody before? You know, a, a lot of people that win. There's jealousy and. Uh, uh, you know, jealousy takes over, and people talk them down because you know they didn't win, and these these guys did. did, did that, was there any talk about them being cheaters prior to this? So, there's always the jealousy
3: factor,
4: right?
0: I yeah, mean, you, you always do
3: that. And you know, I'll say that, yeah, you know, there was a lot of people that would question their win. And uh, you know, I went back and forth. I mean, they they always passed every you know, tests like Polygraph or VSA that we gave them. Yeah. Um, and the last event, they did it with a cameraman in their boat. I, you know, so I, like I said, I was the first one to congratulate them. I defended them to guys, you know, my own friends. I'm getting, I'm like, shut up. These guys are winning. You know, what can you, what can you do about it? You know? <laughs> All right. right. Uh, you know, I, I, did the guys, did the guys have suspicions? No questions about it. You know, I, I don't know if anybody can win so much without people questioning it. Right. But I did every, every safeguard I could to try and make sure our event was on the up and up. And these guys continued to win and, you know, pass these tests. I mean, it's not even just my event. You know, I know uh, another event this year, they took uh, two live detector tests for. Um, last year, they, they took... A couple eye detector tests. I mean, apparently, you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that they, those things are just going to be your hundred percent safeguarding. anymore. Oh, you yeah. have to put a few more, uh, you know, practices in place in to maintain the integrity of these events. I
0: don't know how you how you do that in the future. You did you did great on this, uh, and you know what? For the folks listening, uh, we're not talking the top top level of tournament fishing but we're talking this is this is not a club tournament this is a higher level these guys have won uh, supposedly over three hundred thousand dollars in in walleye fishing uh, which makes this a real big deal i mean this is uh like grand theft in my opinion uh but one question brought up you talked about the fish uh, wanting to make sure the fish were fresh uh were, do you believe those fish were caught that day or were they caught on an earlier day and, and then brought in for the weigh-in? Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, I, I really I really couldn't tell
3: you. I don't know. Uh, that would take, you know, some type of trained person to tell you when they caught them. But
0: yeah. I just, it's just, sorry, to, I, to me it's just uh, uh, a shame uh, to, to have to think about this and We won't mention their name again. You're right. They said it once. And uh, uh, personally, I hope that every state bans them from being able to obtain a fishing license again. These guys just should not be allowed to fish. If they actually tried to enter a tournament, that would show the the biggest cojones I've ever heard in my life. Uh, They've got no shame, no embarrassment. Um, I'm glad they're they're done. I know they're done with you. I, I, I hope that... This isn't the end of it. And more stuff happens. Is it over? Do they have any recourse? Can they come back at, at LEWT?
3: I mean, this is this is America, and anybody can do anything. But I, I really don't see. Number one, I didn't do them wrong. Uh, nope. I didn't. Tar- I didn't target them. I didn't plaster their name all over the media. I didn't. I didn't do anything to them. Um, unfortunately. I was put in the situation um and 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 not not the other way around so i i opened up some fish and found lead weights i mean if if, if you want to come after me for that go ahead i guess i don't
0: know no way man you did a great job uh i i, I wish i was standing next to you right now because i would really like to shake your hand jason fisher and say thanks for doing a great job for keeping this tournament uh fishing on the up and up you did a great thing for everybody that fishes uh you're you're my hero today and i just can't thank you enough for doing what you did Uh, you did a great thing and uh thank you and congratulations jason fisher from the lewt you keep doing what you do and uh, have a great day i appreciate it thanks a lot thanks for having me hey jason we appreciate you take care That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA Podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guests, Dan Johnson from St. Croix, Charlie Evans, U.S. Angling, and Jason Fisher, Tournament Director for the LEWT. Yeah, you've seen them on TV. Fishing made it on all the big channels. They made it for the uh, wrong reason, because there were cheaters involved, but Jason Fisher's a hero. He busted those cheaters. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, The Best Rods on Earth, Calcutta, makers of a line of products your Fishing Lifestyle and Passion, and Daiwa. We have your bass covered. Yeah, Daiwa Reels sure do have your bass covered. Don't forget, we have a new episode that posts every Wednesday. It's available 24-7. Check out our website at wefishasa.com. I'm Steve Serling. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week. Now, let's go fishing.